I'm a little rusty. It's your nooner with Dooner back from F3, and I got a special guest with me here. Yeah, how's it going, bud? It's uh, Charles Gracie. Charles, you are starting a new show here. We'll talk about the end of the show, but you're starting a new show this week. Yeah, Wednesday, right before you. But a couple weeks ago, when you're saying November 15th, I'm like, who even cares? It's after F3. I'm not even thinking about that, Charles. <laughs> Leave me alone. Let's get through the event, but we're now through it. We, we are, and tons of more exciting stuff to come, like today's What the Truck. Did you have a good time at the event? This year was was really unique. And here's some highlights from the event. But this year was really unique in the sense that we reached out to the online community, especially the uh, Twitter community yep. out there. And we invited a ton of them to make sure there were drivers in attendance. And uh, it's always really valuable. That's something we learned from when I hired Justin back in 2022 is I'd bring him to these events and he'd stop by people's boots. They'd find out he was a truck driver. And a lot of the vendors that were there would get excited because they could get like an actual perspective from a truck driver. And this year, it was just like done tenfold by bringing 20 or 30 drivers into the mix. Yeah, it was on steroids and they had a good time and they got to see behind the scenes what's going on. And we got to hear their feedback in real time about what we were doing. What do you have to say to the people who say, you know, Chattanooga can't handle a convention. You got to go to we are going to Atlanta, by the way, but you got to go to Atlanta. You got to go to Chicago. You got to go to Nashville. I think we handled it just fine. And I think it can keep growing right here in Chattanooga. It's a beautiful city and uh, everyone had good feedback on it. So my biggest takeaways, and, and I'll ask you yours, but my, my biggest takeaways were, uh, they're personal. I always, these events kind of, personally, but my personal one was the, the chance to ask Brad Jacobs a question. Brad Jacobs, just like in 2019, he came out to our event in Atlanta, threw the script down, ran out, and he said, open mic for everybody, which was interesting because beforehand, you know, you're like, this is this big company. Maybe they could be really controlled. What's the environment going to be like? Is it stuffy? In 2019, it wasn't. And this year, it was even better. Yeah. He took even more questions. His session was about a half an hour longer. He took one of mine about when the freight recession was going to recover. And you can tell the guy is just such a conqueror because that question, he wasn't like, what was me? He's like, I'm a broker because I like volatility. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely wasn't stuffy. Uh, I have to say the one takeaway after he was the fact that it's anything but that. It's fun. It's great networking, great content. And I don't think it ever got old. Did you like T.I.? Uh, who didn't like T.I.? But I felt like I was back in junior high. You did? What, what, what was your junior high jam at a T.I.? Uh, well... I remembered the you can have whatever you like, but then as he started playing, I started getting flashbacks and I started feeling a little bit more my age. Now, Rachel Premack was going to co-host today. We were like promoting that, but she's uh, she's stuck in a media meeting, but uh, that's not going to let her off the hook from this one. Let's take a look at her in the driving simulator. Right? Amazon Freight, they finally found, do we get volume on this? They finally found a good use for an Xbox Connect. We need the volume. We got volume? There we go. <laughs> there you go. Good wiper use. Okay, here we go. Here we go. That's a red light. That is a red light. Whoa. She, yeah. she just blew past it. I don't know about her credibility. Is good. <laughs> That's a curve. That is a curve. No, they're optional. Oh she might just God. not be a good gamer. She doesn't strike me as the gamer type. Oh my God. <laughs> I yes. love the chaos spin on the wheel. <laughs> the overcorrection. Is that going to lead yeah. to a recovery? Uh, if there's anything oh, recovered based geez. on how that wheel's being turned. Wow. That was a great setup, though. Rachel, you uh, now you have a little bit of experience, though. Like, I don't think I would have passed her as a on a CDL for that one. No, I, I think there's some work to be done there. But uh, good for her for trying. 
Now, it was great that everyone was active at F3, but it is really important that we put a public service message out there. Um, one of the leaders in Freight Tech, Andrew Leto, he injured himself the day before the event, and he delivered this uh, speech on stage. When someone says, oh, old people play the sport, like this is for senior citizens, <laughs> they say, let's play some pickleball, just be careful. And uh, I ruptured my Achilles heel. And uh, I never had a sports industry. In this, it, injury is the first one, but uh, if you take anything from this speech, this is it. Be careful with pickleball, because it did this to me. You know, we've had a lot of... You get your kid out there on the battlefield playing pickleball at all? You know, uh, not yet. He He's going into the tennis blitz right now. So uh, I think pickleball soon to follow, but uh, they're popping up everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they are. But, you know, a lot of people who haven't really done enough stretching. I'm not saying Andrew didn't. I'm sure he did. A lot of people <laughs> haven't done enough stretching or finding themselves uh, in harm's way. A lot of people don't like the sound either. Apparently, there's a lot of opportunity to make, like, the silent version of pickleball. I feel like everything I've heard about pickleball, you need to be wearing this up in there. Probably, and something on your, on your ACL. Here's another thing. Before we move on for F3, one of the most interesting and, in a lot of ways, shocking things I saw was the Freight Tech 25. That was right before, uh, I mean, other than, like, uh, like, the gongs. Did you guys show the gongs? The gongs at um, at F3, that was, that was great. Steam Logistics, thank you very much much for bringing all the gongs that we had fun. 35 different gongers <laughs> including craig fuller's son who hit one of them that was that was amazing doing the session with mother trucker alex my mother yep. trucker news craig talking about building a brand in freight getting interviewed that was really cool by craig fuller but what was really shocking was this freight tech 25 we can go back to that the number one company on here was amazon freight but what's most interesting about this freight tech 25 maybe isn't even who's on here but who's not there's 17 new companies which means there's been a ton of churn who is in this including with the number one company no longer even on the list I think it's just indicative of what we've seen over the last year. And I think you're going to continue to see that evolve over the next year. Big fulfillment. Well, we have a fulfillment company on today, so he'll, he'll might be excited to hear that. Phil Logic got so high up on that. Now, Charles, another big thing kicked off. So we brought all these people from the community. We brought all the creators. We brought, you know, people like myself, people like Paul from Freight Caviar and his team. We brought Reed and, and all his Please Advise team. We brought uh, content creators like yourself down there, obviously the ones that are on FreightWave staff. And we learned something really interesting when we were at F3. Now, I was expecting kind of a somber environment. It's been a really, really bad market. But instead, it was like an unhinged envir environment. People were like really into the humor. They were really yeah. into hitting gongs. They were really into reads uh stupid demo for the digital gong like people were going crazy for like the dumbest things and i think it's because the environment had been so stressful well we get back from from that and i see this tweet from a journalist at the joc and he writes i love a good meme as much as anyone anyone who knows me personally knows i'm goofy and sarcastic but i would say companies and industry leaders on this app need to think really hard about the sophomoric way they present themselves most people logistics and freight and trade are nice people but serious people and memeing your way into the industry's consciousness only goes so far with them most people need value Value more than entertainment. I think that's a double-edged sword. In order to bring value, you have to have a relationship and you have to sh show that personal side of yourself. And what better way to do that with some humor, which is much needed in the industry that we've been operating for the last year. Well, Craig Fuller had his ear to the track. I, I memed that tweet from the journalist and then it just blew up into this whole thing. And then Craig basically said, hey, F3 next year is going to be even more creators. He's put a bounty on it. There's $100,000 in cash prizes. He says, serious logistics people, FreightWaves is going to launch the first ever freight creator contest at F3 next year with over $100,000 in cash prizes. There's going to be more details to follow. It's open to both amateurs and professionals, but probably not employees. Sorry, Charles. <sighs> Sorry, me. The second I heard that too, I was like, okay, I'll host the thing. So I will... <laughs> I'll host this. I'm not the judge, but I'm going to be looking at all these memes, and it's going to be a great time. Here's my first submission. 
the video. Not the video. Can you roll the tape? Yeah. Have you ever slid into someone's DMs? Slid into someone's what? DMs. DM Balmos? DM direct message. Yeah, have you not heard that? I haven't heard that terminology. That's, that's an expression. What do you do? You know what it is, though. No. So it's just like sending one of some. Ben Tashirti has, uh, you're our primary character. This is a great picture. This is Kevin Nolan. He was really into bringing T.I. out, T.I. and Kevin Nolan. Now this is like the greatest meme template to come from here. But he says, you are our primary character in over 90% of our lanes from the RFP. And then it's T.I. looking disappointed. He goes, I forgot to add fuel. <laughs> we had Justin Wood. He said, and the freight meme continues. When she looks through your phone, but all she can find is truck pics and rate confirmation screenshots. And then Freight Caviar had, uh, when you realize your whole day is just a setup for this punchline, detention and T-O-N-U layover payments denied. Yeah, I mean, we've taken over FreightX on Twitter slash X. It's been everywhere since F3. Uh, I'm pretty sure Craig's going to be getting a call from Elon about this. Well, hey, let's go learn about some awesome initiatives. We'll tip the band and we'll get to our first guest here. Truxit is Truxit is revolutionizing the truck bro trucking brokerage industry. Truxit increases carrier payroll, reducing shipping costs. Truxit-based carriers in two days or less. Truxit reduces deadhead and empty miles. Truxit provides paperless BUL, POD, and payment. Ship for less, drive for more with Truxit.com. Let's take a look at a little video from Oida about what we're going to talk about. That's the picture, yeah. Look at this, Oida's got their Truckers for Troops. It's now raised more than $750,000 for military personnel and veterans. During Truckers for Troops, drivers wishing to join or renew their Oida membership can do so for a special rate of $35, with 10% of that going to the troops. Oida then matches those contributions dollar for dollar. Last year, Oida presented the Veterans Community Project Outreach Center in Kansas City, Missouri, with a $24,520 check. Hear that Christmas? Is it too early for Christmas music? Uh, definitely. It, it is too early. Well, we'll bear it through. Justin has already got lights on his house. Soft jabs all day. I put a poll out. It was like 50-50 on people saying that it's too soon to put lights out, but like half of half people say it's okay. I, I guess those are the people that live up north where it's cold. When you're down here in Chattanooga and the weather's beautiful, it's way too early. A little too soon. All right. Norita Taylor, Director of Public Relations over at Owida. We're excited to learn about this initiative. Norita, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, and uh, I'm uh, never too early for Christmas music around here. Are you, do you have your lights up already? Some people online were already putting their lights up. Oh, not me personally. I'm not quite that motivated. <laughs> <laughs> well, Narita, tell us all about this. What is going on with the 17th annual Truckers for Troops campaign? Sure. So basically, uh, we have a Truckers for Troops campaign here at OOIDA where we uh, take some of our membership fees and we match them as an organization and we provide care packages to troops and or care packages to veterans. We know that a lot of our members either are member or either are veterans themselves or have strong connections to the military and we know they want to show support. So we do everything we can this time of year to raise funds, to uh, get some of the needed 
services to the veterans community program, as well as sending care packages to troops serving overseas. Wow. That's I, awesome. As a veteran, feel, Charles. As a veteran, I appreciate that, and I'm sure they do too. We want to do anything we can to build that excitement and attract more talent. And what better place than the veteran community? Yeah, how did this do? So this is the 17th annual. How did this That's all start, right. Narita? Sure. So back in 2007, there was a pretty significant military presence overseas in the Middle East. And care packages were kind of a, a popular idea. And we knew that our members wanted to show support for those serving overseas. So we just created our own care package program and we connected it to a membership drive where if you join or renew during this campaign, 10 percent of the fee will go to the packages and OOIDA matches that amount. Now you can also do a straight donation. That page that you're showing there, it has a big donate button. You can just do a straight donation. If you've you know got your membership all to, up to date or whatever, you can just do a straight donation. And uh, we gather that money and we put together some things like uh, either just straight donations to the Veterans Community Project. That truck that you saw in the video also had some recliners in it and other things that go into the tiny homes. Maybe your viewers are female, familiar with uh, residential campuses for veterans called tiny homes for uh, homeless veterans. Great project, lots of outreach, things that they do for walk-in support systems. Just a really great program to overall. Chrissy, when were you when were you out in deployment? So I joined when I was 17 and got out in 2008. So you were out there around the time that she's kind of talking about when this yeah. all started. Did, yeah. you, you didn't happen to get a care package. Did you happen to get care packages while you were out there? No, and that's why it's so exciting to see people doing it now. I think uh, as we grow as a nation, we start to realize that there's some voids, and seeing people like them going out there and servicing that is awesome. Yeah, Narita, what's what's in the care packages? What uh, what what is a veteran going to see here, or what is a deployed troop going to see? Sure. So the care packages that we send uh, to anyone that's deployed overseas in a combat area, it's pretty big. It's like three feet by three feet, and it's chocked full of all kinds of stuff like socks and snacks and games and books. We, we kind of... Um, customize it every year based on feedback that we get from recipients the year before or what we're hearing on, you know, hearing from people that what they really want. There was a time that we included things like silly string, which was had, had a dual purpose. It was for fun, but it was also for, um, using for trip wires. So there was kind of a practical component to that care package. So it's, it's full of a lot of stuff and we make sure that there's no um, added cost for shipping. We do that all here in house ourselves and we use um, actual peanuts sometimes instead of packing peanuts so that every in every square inch of that care package is used for something that someone will benefit from. Charles, how do I weaponize my silly string? <laughs> you, you know, uh, I don't think it could be weaponized, but I, I definitely see the practical approach there. And if anyone's going to send you one, they should fill it with moon pies and Christmas lights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> moon pie appreciator <laughs> over here. So, Narita, one more time. How do we? How do people donate? How do they get involved? All they have to do is renew their membership during this period of time? Sure. So basically, you can go to our website or you can call. If you go to OOIDA.com, there's a big button there for joining or just making a straight donation. Or if you want to call us 
816-229-5791. We'll get you all set up however you want to contribute. We appreciate everything that everyone does. We appreciate veterans out there. We appreciate every, anyone serving at the moment as well. Now, uh, Narita, are you excited about this uh, this Game of Thrones Act? I'm sorry, guaranteed over what is it? Guaranteed overtime. Bipartisan lawmakers have introduced <laughs> a bill that will give America's truck drivers, two, America's 2.19 million truck drivers, the right to overtime pay. This is an article that was up. Rachel was going to be up here. We we're going to talk about it, but I was just curious if, if you have anything to say on this because I did see a quote from Owada in here. Sure, sure. So basically, you know, we're getting getting rid of an archaic old provision in the law regarding overtime that made it so that truck drivers can't get paid overtime. And we think that they should get paid for all their time. It's about valuing their time, especially when you consider that they're uh, required to comply with hours of service and they're paid by the mile and they get held up at shippers and receivers and have all kinds of other challenges in dealing with their schedules. We just think that it's about valuing their time. And we're really excited about that introduction as well. Well, you're doing the Lord's work of fantastic stuff. I encourage everybody to uh, to obviously read Rachel's article on FreightWaves.com, but also to help Owaida out here with the Truckers for Troops. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. You bet. Anytime. Thanks. Thank you. How do you feel about that? I think the driver should get the overtime pay? Absolutely. Being a former driver myself, if you look at how their pay structured, they have zero control on a lot of different factors, but yet we pay them based on performance that they have no control over. Yeah. Do you think this would help recruiting? Oh, absolutely. Or retention, at least? Well, a lot of things will help <laughs> recruiting, but we first we have to have something that's positive to attract new people into the industry, and that's this is one of the main steps to make this happen. Yeah. You know, it'll keep you in having a, having a good mentality, maybe seeing your dad out on the road. Laura and Della, she was actually on our fourth most popular episode of the year. Laura and Della, she's a bull hauler, and she says, 2.5 years in, finally got the call out to my old man on the CB. Both of us happen to be running local and down the same state route, and that is today's Meanwhile. Take a look. Awesome. Love to see it. She's out there and she's doing it the right way, building that positive image. It's more of what we need out there. Hey, we're going to learn about dogs and we're going to learn about some veteran dogs. But here's a little background on one of the breeds we're going to talk about. Take it away, Joe Rogan. Have you ever been around a Belgian Malinois? They can do where they leap through the air. Like you can't believe they really can jump that high. Right. Like soaring through the air. I'm talking like 12 feet in the air. They They run, jump off a guy's back and then leap through the air, like climb over walls that are like 10 feet tall just by running up the wall. Yeah. Those are the dogs that they use in war and okay. uh, police dogs. And okay. They're scary little meat missiles. I got you. And they look at you like this. Yeah. They're always thinking. And you can't just keep one of those motherfuckers in your yard. Look how smart they are. Look, you can walk across the tightrope. Look at that. Rip's ever done the tightrope. <laughs> and then insane. I mean, that's... Same. Dude, they're so intelligent, but that's closer to a wolf. He did everything. Way closer. Like Look at his yeah. ears. I mean, they're they're basically an athlete wolf. 
Well, back in studio, it is Jason Johnson. He's the founder over at Project K9 Hero, and he's got a hero dog with him, one of those Belgians. It's Rip. Jason, thanks so much for coming down to Chattanooga. Thank you for having me today. I, uh, I love the dog down there, by the way. He looks fantastic. Yeah, that's a rip. He's uh, retired from the uh, ATF, National Special Response Team. He worked on the Team 3 down in Dallas, where he uh, conducted over 300 hires missions to help capture or apprehend our nation's most dangerous criminals. What do you think? Did you encounter any, uh, when you were in the military, did you have to run with any dogs? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I worked in ordnance, so we always had dogs around us when we were deployed. And... Uh, they're impressive creatures. You saw I own three of them. Uh, I'm a dog guy. I like them better than people most often. <laughs> you like dogs better than people. Have you so have you seen like a dog like Rip in action? You get to see them when they're retired, right? You don't get to see them jumping over walls, or are they still that active? You know, once they retire, they, they need a place to go. I give a great example of what Project Canine Hero does. A dog like Rip didn't have a home to go to in retirement because his handler was still on active duty, got a new dog, and was out still doing missions. So... Rip came to our facility, 177 acres we have here in Marion County, Tennessee, and now he's one of our national ambassadors, and he has a, a safe place to live for the rest of his life. Well, he's looking fantastic. By the way, before we even get inside, I got to say, um, sorry to hear the news about, about Russo. I saw your post yeah. on LinkedIn. Um, he was, I, I believe I read the post correctly, he was one of, like, your original ambassador dogs. Uh, <clears throat> He was one of the original dogs that we actually brought to Tennessee to rehome. When we started the organization, we were focused more on the medical care needs and things like that. Then we started to learn, hey, there's actually certain dogs that are going to be euthanized if they don't have a place to go. And that's why Project Canine Heroes, an organization, bought the 177 acres in Tennessee. And, uh, you know, that's why we have dogs like Rip, who is now a recipient of that. And we have a, a kennel full of dogs out there, and we have a huge waiting list of dogs that need a place to go. And that's what a lot of people don't realize, that not every police canine or military working dog has a home to go to in retirement. And that's what Project Canine Hero does for them. Well, you are coming. You do a lot of events, a lot out of the Nashville area. We have one coming up pretty soon, a um, couple months from now. Tell us about the event and, and why you put these on. So the event coming up is called Performance for Paws. It's going to be January 25th, 2024 at the Nashville Palace, which is right across the street from the Grand Ole Opry. And at that event, we're going to have a big concert series. We've got big names that we're getting. Uh, last year, Daimler Truck Financial was a big sponsor. They've signed on to be a big sponsor again this year. So thank you to Daimler Truck Financial for that. Uh, we're working with some other companies. Uh, we had Velocity Trucks out there, True North Insurance last year. So we're trying to get some more sponsors back. Um, we're, we're looking for corporate sponsors. And, and the money that we raise at these events help take care of dogs like Rip and Rosso or um, the ones on the video you know, that you're showing. Um, can you imagine what it is for 27, 24 hours, seven days a week kennel care for these heroes? And that's what we have to provide out there. They're, they're like in a, uh, in a home for retirement for old dogs. And, uh, you know, they're on a lot of prescription medications. Rip has thyroid problems. He's on a prednisone. He's on a steroid. He's on an antibiotic. He's got health issues of why he looks healthy at 13 and a half. Those aren't cheap, and our organization covers all that. So we're looking for organizations within the trucking company who want to get involved, come to a great event January 25th at the Nashville Palace, and be a, be a sponsor, get a table, bring some of your coworkers, have a great night, and just enjoy a great evening to, for a great cause. Now let me ask you about these dogs. So what are, you, you mentioned some of the needs, like the medication and everything. Like usually when these dogs are entering retirement, what age are they at, and what kind of um, sort of behavioral and health issues make them need this kind of placement. They can't just go in any home. Well, 
First of all, almost all older dogs, specifically ones like Rip who served in special operations, are going to have health issues. You look at a soldier who was maybe in special operations who did airborne jumps and different missions. Just like Rick, Rip who did uh, 300 high-risk missions, you know, his body is not the same as a pet. And for that, you know, he has special medications. Um, a lot of working dogs don't even make it to 13, and he's in great health. Uh, 13 and a half years old going on 14 and, and we hope he lives a long time as you can see he's super healthy but um, it costs money you know we have 135,000 donors and last year we were blessed to do 4.4 million but we have 700 dogs on our waiting list for medical care and we only put in one new hero a week 52 a year because that's what we can afford and each week we're committing to another 20 to 25,000 dollars of medical care so the more people we can tell about Project K9 Hero, get them involved. Corporate sponsors are huge. I had the opportunity to speak at the Tennessee Trucking Association uh, business meeting this past month uh, over in Knoxville. And we're trying to get our Project K9 Hero logos on the sides of trucks as I go down the road, just to tell people, just like uh, some of the billboards that we have in Nashville through Lamar Advertising, to tell people what we do, get them to look it up, uh, get involved. You know, if, if the great thing about the trucking industry is they're patriotic. They support military, police, and these dogs are military and police dogs who served our country and served our community, and now they need our help, and that's what Project Canine Heroes does for them. One of these older dogs are probably not ideal to bring along in the truck, or, or maybe they are. You know, some, each, each dog's different. Um, you know, like Rip, he has a problem with the uh, Bluetooth speaker, and when it comes on, he gets high anxiety. Each dog uh, has a different trigger. For us at the Rehab Rehoming Center, it's our job to learn those triggers and try to remove them from their lives to make sure they don't, you know, they're trained to react in certain ways in certain situations. So we, we try to really cater the way we act around each of these heroes to make sure they have the best retirement possible. Gracie, this must be hitting you. You have three German Shepherds at home. I do, and I, I love dogs. Um, they're loyal, and I think it's huge that we're giving back to the ones that have served us as a nation, both in service and federally. I think... Uh, huge organization, huge heart for what they're doing. And uh, I hope everyone looks into them and uh, contributes, helps out. I think like the concern some people like would have about a dog, like, oh, is it going to be violent? It's it seen some serious action. Is it good around kids? And I imagine that's very, very dog dependent. But when you're looking at homes and you're considering placement, how do you make sure it's the right place? So you don't give someone a dog and then three weeks later, they're like, dude, we can't handle Rip. He doesn't like Bluetooth. Yeah, for sure. So we just uh, placed a dog today. If you can check out our social media on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Project Canine Hero, you're going to see that we placed Canine Coda today. And Coda had been in our rehab facility for two and a half years and had a lot of aggression issues. A lot of aggression. Yeah, that's from today. That's from today. And there's Coda right there. So two and a half years at our facility. Now, I'll just give you a little background. We placed it with Tony Barker. And Tony is a retired from Customs Border Patrol, where he's an instructor and handler for over 10 years. Uh, he's now out of government service. But he's worked with hundreds of dogs like this, and he knows how to uh, create a situation in his home where they can be successful. He's got three acres in Virginia. He has the experience. His kids are a little older now, so he doesn't have young kids. And it's just a great environment for Coda. And Coda's just another hero who came from Minnesota after having a series of bites, uh, you know, where Coda's being going to be euthanized uh, just, just as well. So, you know, we're, we're super honored to um, help heroes like Coda, but every dog specific. Most of these dogs need exercise. That's the big thing, right? You can't live in an apartment downtown. You need a fenced yard, something like that. A lot of them shouldn't be around young kids because they can't really, you know, the young kids sometimes at the, their face level, we get concerned with that because of their, because of their history. 
And then um, they just need the time to exercise and play and get that mental stimulation. You just can't lock them up in the crate, go to work for 16 hours and come home and think everything's going to be okay. Now by exercise, do we, like, do we need to get on our, like, our, our knees and have them jump like 20 feet up a wall off our back and do that obstacle course that he was doing in the Rogan video? Yeah, some of, you know, so that's the Belgium Malinois, just like Rip here. And they're used for special operations, specifically in our Navy SEAL community and special operations community all around the world. SWAT dogs like Rip, who was on a national SWAT team. Um, they're by far the best breed for special operations. I, I love German Shepherds and Labrador Retrievers, but if you want a dog that has supreme capabilities to do things like that, that is the Belgian Malinois, and that's what Rip here is. And that's why we feel that, you know, his service to our country is so special after his 300 high-risk missions that we're, we're actually honored that the government uh, trusts our organization as a resource to come to, and they trust me as a founder and CEO that we're going to do the best by this dog. And, um, you know, time and time again, we, we try to prove them right, just like we're doing with Rip. Yeah, so I, I'm a lab guy, and like if my lab jumped 20 feet off my back and went in a window, he'd probably just start licking like the terrorists within the, the hot house that he jumps uh, jumped into. But why the Belgians? Why are they such an important piece of of that type of command? Yeah, it's just genetics. Uh, the the way they're raised, uh, European breeding uh, throughout the years, uh, the genetics of the Belgian Malinois. Uh, are just superb for this type of activity. The German Shepherd's also a great dog, but the German Shepherd is can you know can smell just as good, can still bite. It's not as fast. It doesn't run as far. It doesn't run as high, jump as high, and things like that. You know, but you take the Labrador Retriever, and we got plenty of them. And, and, and our our new calendar is coming out here. And, and you look at the the cover of the new calendar, which I'm holding up here. Um, you have um, right on the top, Canine Charlie. Uh, program member number 164 retired from the uh, U.S. Marshal's office out in San Francisco area. And that's an explosive detection dog that served President of the United States, uh, chief justices around the world. They can use their nose to sniff for explosives at the highest level, the Super Bowl, whatever you need. So, you know, depending on your mission, you don't always need a Belgian Malinois. Sometimes a, a Labrador Retriever works just as well. In fact, I would argue at major sporting events, I would prefer a Labrador Retriever because it's a little it's a little easier for the public to digest and doesn't scare as many people. You don't have as many incidents uh, when you're just trying to sniff explosives or possibly any other contraband. Now, I, I don't know about you, Charles, but I don't really like taking my coworkers home with me. You know, I don't I, like I get like work attached, but not that attached. But if my coworker was a dog, if my coworker was a dog, I could imagine like when I retire, when it retires, I want to bring it home. But do a lot of military handlers take their partners in retirement? So the first option for military and police are to take their partner. But we find there's about 10 percent that just can't for whatever reason. Uh, let's take Rosso, for example, who came to our facility. Uh, Rosso's handler loved him. But he had a six-month-old child at home, and Russell's never been around infants. He's still on active duty. He's, today, he's deployed. He's deployed overseas to protect our country. There's no training for his wife to receive on how to handle this military working dog with their infant child. It's a recipe for disaster. So again, there's resources like us out there, Project Canine Hero, for those 10% that can't go to their home. Uh, we're there for them. And then the other 90% that stay with their handlers, that doesn't mean they can always afford those medical bills. Those medical bills sometimes are $10,000, $20,000, lymphoma, cancer, leg amputations, things uh, being shot in line of duty, items that were caused when they were on active duty. So these are all things that we're here to help with, along with end of duty services and uh, medical care and food, and we couldn't be more proud. Are you looking more for homes for the dogs or 
for money to help care for the dogs to get them in a position to go for homes? Because you mentioned that there's X amount of dogs, but you can only place one a week. So that's going to be a pretty big financial strain. It is. It's a huge financial strain. Uh, donations are, are the number one thing. People can find us at projectk9hero.org. They can go to our website. They can learn how to get involved. We got legacy given on there, how to put us in a will. You can buy a shirt, a hat like I'm wearing. The calendars will be out later this week. We have all kinds of things on there to support our dogs. Uh, a lot of people put in the adoption applications, but the truth is only about 1% of the general public's uh, capable or qualified to handle one of these special operations dogs. We really need the most help with cor corporate partnerships, those, those people in the trucking industry who, who are okay with putting our Project Canine Hero name on the side of a truck or buying a table at Performers for Paws and sponsoring our event. Um, those are all things that would more greatly impact our mission, allow us to help more heroes, and uh, really allow for us to give them the retirement they deserve for after protecting our country and our community. Gracie, this is in Nashville in January. You and I should uh, go down to it. We should. I think it'd be a good time, good cause, and I like the dogs. You like the dogs? Yeah. The how do you think like Hut? How do you think like Hut Seat or, or Sense for Mile could help these dogs? I think we should get uh, linked up with these guys and advertise it out to a couple of our clients because we got a lot of clients out there that love to give back to the veteran community, and what better way than with some of our furry friends that have served? Yeah, I mean, Char Charles Veteran Run Company has a, uh, he's a recruiter for a company called Hut Seat Services that, that he's the founder of as well. That would be great, you know, and, and I'm a veteran myself, and, and here's the thing, you look at we're helping the dogs, but you got to think, when we pay that medical bill of $10,000, that's a first responder, that's a police officer, a deputy sheriff, a fireman, or, or military personnel, and we're taking that off their plate. So not only are we helping the dog, we're taking a lot of mental and physical stress off a first responder or military veteran on every case that we assist with. I just thought of something. Those dogs were trained to sniff out explosives. You think we can train them to sniff out some qualified drivers for these carriers? Oh, yeah, <laughs> or double brokers <laughs> or nefarious things in the back of trailers. Now, before I let you go, you're on Good Morning American. You did have a good success story about someone who, uh, a guy who's in the military, and he, he adopted, if I understand correctly, Black, his own military dog. Can you tell us what happened there? Yeah, absolutely. So 18 months ago, I got a call from Grand Forks Air Force Base from the kennel master there who they had a military working dog, Black, who they couldn't adopt. He was deemed unadoptable because of several bite issues and, and things that he had there. Uh, during my interview with the kennel master trainer and the veterinarian, the military veterinarian, uh, they clearly stated to me that if you cannot adopt this dog today, we are prepared to euthanize it. So we did what we could here at our facility in Tennessee. We made some room. The trainer drove it down. And Black stayed with us for 18 months, and he did really good. Meanwhile, I had learned that he had a handler. His name was Thomas Watkins, and he, was, he got assigned to Langley, uh, Air Force Base in Virginia, but he was a single soldier. He lived in the barracks, and he couldn't. He didn't have the resources to take Black. I just simply couldn't house him where he lived, and uh, while he wanted him, it just was impossible. Well, we waited the 18 months, and he got out of service here this month, and he moved back to his home in Texas. He's uh, living on a ranch down there, and now he has the ability to take Black in. Uh, we shared that story with the nation Friday morning on Good Morning America, which can be seen on our website or on our our, our social media. And uh, it's just a heartwarming story of how one dog was going to be euthanized and an organization like ours was able to keep it alive for 18 months, which you can imagine how much that cost, 24-7 kennel care, kennel techs, food, medicines, veterinarian visits, everything that it cost us to keep Black alive for 18 months until it was able to be, he was able to be reunited with Thomas uh, in front of the whole nation, in fact, in front of the whole world. Friday morning, live from our facility in Marion County, Tennessee, which is a lot to get them to come down on a Veterans Day special from New York City here in Tennessee. So I couldn't be more honored and proud as the founder and CEO that, that we had the opportunity to share that, that whole story with the world.
That's great. Yeah, we would uh, we'd give you a little cowbell, but I don't want Rip to get uh to, to go crazy. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cheer him on. That is so awesome. Performers for pause one last time. When is that coming up? Performers for pause January 25th. It's a Thursday at the Nashville Palace in Nashville, Tennessee. It's on McGavick Pike, right across from the Opryland. Tickets will go on sale to the general public on December 1st. But right now, if you own a company, you're involved with the company. We are accepting uh, corporate sponsorship tables first. So companies. Uh, any of them out there who want to get involved, we want to support you. Daimler Truck Financial is already committed this year. Uh, we've worked with Velocity Trucks, True North Insurance, and the trucking industry. So uh, we couldn't be more excited, and we want, we want to support the trucking industry. I feel that a nonprofit like ours who supports police and military belongs in the trucking industry. This is my third time being on the show, and I couldn't be uh, more proud to be representing uh, our canine heroes who protect our country. All right, I appreciate it. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure. And, and for those listening out there, if you need to know how to find us, it's just projectk9hero.org. We're on the website. we got to contact us or any of our social media channels at Project Canine Hero, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And as I always say, these dogs spent their entire life protecting us, so I'm going to spend the rest of mine protecting them. Good karma and partnerships. I mean, I, I felt like this F3, this event, was one of the easiest ones to talk to people out. Again, I think it's because that stress factor. And people are just looking for, for partnerships. And they're looking to... Uh they're looking how they can get to the next level. And when you look at our industry, it's such a small pool. And I always tell people, you know, not to piss too much in it because it's not, it's not that big. And when you go to those events, no. I mean, you're not just looking for partners in terms of business. You're looking for new employees. You're looking for people that you want to work with. You're looking for content creators. I mean, there's so many different avenues to approach this now. They're looking for ways to sponsor good causes. Yeah, relationships matter. And I think what was huge about F3 is the fact that it's a relaxed environment. People were able to have fun, which is something that was much needed after the year they've had. You saw people cut back, get loose, have a good time, but still soak in a bunch of great content. Some more than others. Back. Yeah, some more than others. Some more than others. <laughs> Let's tip the band. We got another great guest coming up soon. Truxit is revolutionizing the truck brokerage industry. Truxit increases carrier pay while reducing shipping costs. Truxit pays carriers in two days or less. Truxit reduces deadhead and empty miles. Truxit provides paperless BOL, POD, and payment. Ship for less. Drive for more with Truxit.com. All right, elsewhere. It's like a rotisserie chicken in a plastic box. <laughs> it just exploded out of there. No, Gracie, do you? Uh, by the way, I put a poll out on Twitter. Are, do you carry an umbrella? No. Yeah, me either. No, and all the women right. on there are like, "Why are two thirds of men saying they don't carry umbrellas?" It, it's rain. I'm not going to melt. Yeah, you're more like concerned about lightning. No, I'm not concerned about it. It's weather. I see them as more useful when it's like at my kids' little league. There's no tree cover. Like uh, an umbrella might be more useful there when you're in your lawn so chair. Like one of those little league dads that get those little private pop-up tents. Oh, yeah, in my Crocs and everything. <laughs> I don't come to look cool. I come to support them and look at the Steam sponsorship. Hey, before we get to our next guest, some people may remember this. OK Boomer, we used to play a little trivia a little while ago, especially when Joe was here. I think it's what the truck put so much shine on this game, he was able to, uh, to sell it. But before we, we bring him on, I... 
I'm going to throw a trivia question at you. You think you got it? Well, we'll see. All right. The world record for the number of likes on an Instagram post was taken over from Kylie Jenner by a photo of what food in 2019? Oh. Mm. Avocado. It was an egg, of all things. Ah, it was an egg, of all things. Same shape. Well, we got to have the trivia master. It's Joe Spizak. He's the CEO over at Fulfill.com and the former owner of OK Boomer because he boosted it, man. Congratulations. It's lo- I love to see you grow. Let's go. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for all the help, all the publicity you guys were getting <laughs> me helped us, uh, helped us sell this thing. And uh, by the way, I don't use an umbrella either, so you can add me into the two-thirds of men that don't use that. <laughs> what is your reasoning? Because I, I think the, the women want to know. I could just wear a big rain jacket. Just yeah. throw the hood up, man. Like, like you said, a little rain's not going to melt me. Bring it on. <laughs> just another thing to carry around. Itch. Exactly. Like <laughs> hey, before we get into the fulfill story, I'm really curious though. So let's put a let's put a uh, exclamation point at the end of the sentence. Tell us what happened with OK Boomer. You start a trivia company. You managed to boost this. Give us like the three minute story. Yeah, I'll give you the high level. So, you know, I have been in e-commerce for, for a little bit over 10 years. I've started a couple different game companies and OK Boomer was the latest of those. We did probably six or seven mil in sales over the course of, you know, X amount of years. And really, um, once we got to a certain point where we were shipping thousands of orders per month with our games, you know, we went through three different 3PLs over the course of a year and a half and just had a really bad experience all around. So that's actually how I ended up starting my own logistics company. Uh, called Ship Daddy, which I ended up selling a couple years ago too. So, um, really, starting e-commerce and and or starting the games and getting into e-commerce is uh, what ended me up uh, getting getting me into logistics. Started my own 3PL, which is ultimately how I became the CEO of Fulfill.com. Um, but yeah, we ended up selling um, OK Boomer. Uh, I'd say about a month ago now, after working on it for years and years and years, and. Um, it was a hell of a ride and I'm super thankful for it because that's obviously what, what got me into, uh, now running fulfill. Sure. How do you sell a trip? Like a trivia? who are the buyers for, I've never made a trivia game before. Like what market do you sell into? Yeah, great question. So I'm sure there's lots of folks that you could sell to, but who we ended up finding a great buyer, um, who was basically like an Amazon consolidator. So he's purchased probably, I'd say 15 to 20 other um, uh, educational board game companies that kind of just fit really well into his portfolio. Um, and he focuses mostly on Amazon sales and we had a good portion of our sales already on Amazon. So it just made a lot of sense for him to, you know, roll us up into his portfolio. But I think there's a lot of different folks that could end up buying, you know, tabletop board game company, trivia game companies. But this one was, you know, this, uh, person who purchased us was just a really good fit. And, you know, I, I, me and my family members are on the cover of one of our boxes. So I wanted to be extra particular if they're going to still be using our likeness. I don't want them to be, you know, I want it to be the right buyer. Wait, wait, who, who's, who's who on, is this you right here? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I have my version here as well. So there we have, um, me, my three sisters, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. Um, yeah, we got the whole family on our original game here. Nice. Interesting. Who's like, who's, who is the most aggressive, hardest person to play trivia with in your family? There's always one like board game person that it's just toxic. Oh, is that you? It's 100% my dad. That's one of the reasons we, we, we started the game and we named it. Okay. Boomer was actually kind of a, a punch at my dad because the, the way we started the game was we were playing trivial pursuit, you know, many Christmases ago, uh, me, my little sisters against, 
my parents and my grandparents, and we were just getting our butts kicked. And, you know, in classic whiny um, millennial fashion, I was basically saying, well, you know, guys, if we had uh, trivia questions that were actually relatable to our generation, we would be destroying you guys. Like none of us know these questions from the 60s and 70s. And um, yeah, my dad was just really tough to play with because he would answer every question right. And he loves to talk crap. So uh, <laughs> yeah, well, how, wait, how does well, did this bear out like when you get because I don't know if people play this, but you got millennials, Gen X, you got Gen Z, baby boomers and silent generation. Thank you for including Gen X. Most people forget them. <laughs> uh, but how does he do when you throw like the Gen Z questions at him? Did this like did your theory bear out? Yeah, so, well, it ended up definitely leveling the table for sure. But, you know, you have some really hip boomers out there. Like my mom, she would crush the Gen Z and millennial questions. She's like really hip and she, she's a school teacher. She uh, would teach fifth grade uh, English. So yeah. she would be hopping in and just absolutely crushing those questions. Um, but, you know, it's just a great way for us to learn more about our parents and grandparents generation, but for them to also learn a little bit more about us as well. What's really cool, too, is you said you learned from this, right? Did I hear him correctly? You learned from this to start that. You learned how to build Fulfill from, from sending video, from sending trivia games? Yeah, so it was interesting. So we started out with two different games. So we started out with OK Boomer, and then I also had Dicey, which was the very first game I created, which is basically like, a, I call it like the Mario Party of drinking games. Um, we've sent Sunset that game. Um, uh, but, um, basically we were shipping, you know, thousands of units for both of those companies. And we ended up getting to this graduation period is what I call it, where, you know, you either have to decide to kind of double down and ship in house, or you outsource to a third party logistics company. And we ended up going the outsourcing route and we went through three different three PLs over the course of a year and a half, we just had a really crappy experience all around. So really by necessity, you know, to keep growing our game companies, we had to end up bringing that back in house. And that's when I started my own e-commerce fulfillment company out of central Pennsylvania, where my wife and I are originally from, um, called Ship Daddy. Then over the course of about three years, like right during primetime COVID season, you know, we, we bootstrapped the company and scaled pretty aggressively, ended up purchasing 140,000 square foot building, filled that up with lots of other e-commerce brands that we were shipping for. And then I, I, I sold that company um, to start Fulfill.com. And, you know, what we do at Fulfill, you can see how, um, you know, we kind of took the e-commerce experience, took the warehousing and logistics experience. And now we play matchmaker for e-commerce brands. So we, had a little, we have a little over 300 brands per month come to us now and ask us to help them find the right warehousing and fulfillment partner. So we have a little bit over 503 PLs on our network spreading across 2,500 plus locations all over the world. And our team will run, you know, a free analysis for brands and help look at our bigger pool of three PLs and narrow that down to the best one to five options for those particular um, uh, brands. We introduce them over to the three PLs and uh, we we help matchmake. Man, that's yeah, like, impressive. What's the criteria behind that? You mentioned so many in the network. How do you keep them all straight? Make sure you don't have a bunch of, you know, bad dates or mismatches. Yeah, that's that's a good question. And that's, you know, a lot of our software engineering and what goes into our actual matchmaking product. But, you know, there's hundreds of different variables that we look at. But if I do narrow it down to a couple, you know, core criteria, you know, one would be just past experience with that specific vertical. So, you know, if I was placing if OK Boomer with a 3PL, I would look at 3PLs in our network and say, OK, who else has shipped for, you know, 
really high level board game companies in the past, like a What Do You Meme or a Cards Against Humanity or, or something of that nature, um, because that has huge indicators on lots of other factors that are important with shipping. You know, if they're already shipping board game companies that they probably have really competitive small parcel rates. They probably have um, good EDI connectivity and have the ability to ship board games into retailers, which is an indicator of scalability um, uh, for a board game company going into a 3PL. Um, and then there's obviously lots of other factors that play into that as well. Like um, if people are shipping in, into the Los Angeles port, you know, we want to run a cost benefit analysis on um, how much money it's going to cost to freight that to you know, another 3PL versus how much storage costs are going to be. Um, you know, there's, there's tons of factors that play into this analysis. Do you guys do uh, subscription boxes? Are those, are those still popular? Because I had a question about those. Like we did BarkBox for a while and we've done another one. And I thought BarkBox was great at first, but then like over time, and this happened with another subscription box I did too, you get to like the third or fourth one. And all of a sudden, instead of being on that day that it's supposed to arrive, it just starts getting a couple weeks out. And like the service just falls off a cliff. Yeah, we do literally every type of company you can imagine. Like we work with uh, helping to place lots of different subscription box companies. We have subscription box specific 3PLs on our network that solely just do that or a large, you know, 85% plus of their business is specifically subscription box, which comes back to what I was talking about er earlier of, do they have success shipping in a certain vertical? And the vertical in that circumstance would be subscription boxes. But, you know, we do everything from that to, hazmat to cold storage to big and bulky to multi-site international you name it we have folks coming to us and that's our job helping them find the, the best warehousing and fulfillment partner it's like the match maker of warehousing over here match.com that's right the, that's the right. bumble <laughs> who makes the move first who makes the move? Well, yeah, what is your data yeah. tell us about um like wh what's going on right now what is your data tell us about going into holiday season everyone's sort of really concerned they they say it seems muted but we also see there there's decent volume the problem at least on our end with truckload in and with ocean is there's just too much capacity yeah well i think everybody's kind of biting their nails right now trying to figure out what this q4 is going to look like and it's no different in the e-commerce fulfillment industry we're all, you know, kind of sitting on pins and needles, like seeing what the volume is going to look like. And it's going to be very telling here within the next couple of weeks as we approach Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So it's looking like, you know, volume is still going to be good, but it, the volume has, has switched up a lot um, this year. And it seems like there is a lot of change to Amazon FBA and, and FBM. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just interested to see how things end up, but maybe we could uh, hop back on here after the holiday season and we could give you kind of a full quantitative breakdown of, of what the numbers look like from an e-commerce fulfillment standpoint. That's one of the beauties of, of um, what we're doing at Fulfill is we have these hundreds of 3PLs on our network. So we have a really good holistic view of the e-commerce fulfillment industry um, because we're working with so many 3PLs on a daily basis. Interesting. Now, do you think that the trend's going to continue where sales aren't concentrated on Black Friday, where just these sales leading out and up to Christmas are just going to be pretty aggressive? Or is that kind of dependent on inventory? Yeah, I think it's dependent on inventory. And I think it's dependent on 3PL um, and the customers that they have on if a bulk of their um, shipping is going to be uh, for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or if it's going to be spread out over a longer period of time. Um, there's, you know, some 3PLs that have customers that are just, you know, have a 
heavy seasonal, um, I guess, breakdown, right? Like, like for, for games, for example, like we did 85% of our sales during the Q4 holiday season. So if you're a 3PL and, um, you know, a majority of your customers are, are board game specific, you know, almost all of your shipping volume and your revenue is going to come from Q4. So you're going to have to staff and strategize your company and your growth completely different than, than a 3PL that has, you know, a, a higher diversity of customers. How do you do that's so I didn't realize board games were that that like more seasonal than ice cream, like 85% just happening in like a two month window. When you're running yeah. around, what do you do? What do you do the rest of the year? I guess you run a fulfillment company <laughs> to, to make ends meet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, there's just a high margin for error whenever you do so much business during that time of year. And if you make one mistake or have um, you know, a shipment that misses going into Amazon over the course of a couple of weeks, or you're working with a 3PL that is two, three, four weeks late on shipping your games because they, you know, misestimated their bandwidth allocation for shipping their other companies during Q4. You can really, you can essentially bankrupt your company. And that is the whole reason that we started Ship Daddy. Um, because, you know, we really got screwed over working with um, a 3PL during one of the holiday seasons. And I essentially lost out on hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales that we missed because of late shipments. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Well, Joe, before I let you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one of your own questions at you. Let's Are you go. ready? The <laughs> little pearls or boba that gather at the bottom of bubble tea are typically made from what? Oh, <laughs> trying to phone a friend over here and ask my wife i know but, uh, i went with the gen z oh he's bringing in the brain what's in the boba tea what are those little bubbles she doesn't know either i'm gonna say milk it's tapioca tapioca <laughs> well even though you wrote the questions you still tried hard here congratulations on selling the game you don't have to get the answers right if you can sell it anyway um so you nailed that so people check out fulfill.com easy enough right it's just fulfill.com that's right fulfill.com uh, that's the best way to get in touch with us and then i'm pretty active on twitter as well at joe speezy um yeah let's link up if you guys need anything Oh, I think you you, you got to contribute some memes to this Freight X meme war and get Craig Fuller's $100,000. Make it to F3 next yeah, year. Yeah, make it to F3. All right. I'll have to look that up. I think I'll be in on it. All I'm right, man. Take it easy. Very, very happy to, very happy to see you. I've been... He's a cool guy. I've been yeah. following his journey. Back when he was with Ship Bob, he says he's a he's a meme. I forgot to ask him. About, they used to have this beard guy. Like they would do these like TikTok skits back in the day before like a lot of people in logistics were doing them, and they had like the beard guy back in that. Cool. Everyone's got a beard guy. Everybody's got a beard guy. Need a beard guy. Who's my beard guy? I got well, like Justin. I guess is my beard guy. Yeah, yeah. He's got it. He's got the got longer, a very beard. distinct one. Yeah, he's got a very distinct one. Now, before we get into cents per mile, let me okay. ask you something really quick. Driver recruiting. What's going on in that space right now? So it's an interesting space right now because carriers are near capacity. Um, turnover is starting to rear its head a little bit. But what's happening is carriers are being more selective with who they're bringing onto their organizations. Um, a lot of that's to mitigate costs because they're getting nailed with plate renewals, insurance premiums, renewals, uh, rate negotiations. There's so many things hitting these carriers right now that they're trying to mitigate where they can. And unfortunately, that falls into the recruiting side because they're near capacity. Yeah. So no big rush to get drivers. Is there a rush to get good drivers? Uh, they're very selective, but I mean, we're seeing carriers DQ drivers based off how many jobs they've had in the last three years. And it doesn't have to be a substantial amount. If you're over three at some carriers, you're not getting employed by them. 
How do you think the drug and alcohol clearinghouse should look at marijuana? Because and the reason I say that is it's in the past, since it's come out, there's been a bunch of reports and a ton yeah. of drivers have been disqualified majority. due to that. Yeah. Yeah. The majority has. And I, I think that has to be looked at at a federal level because the industry yeah. is federally regulated. I, I don't think any one particular carrier uh, looks at it as the definitive this must be because it's always been. But I think until the federal regulation changes, they have to enforce and tow that line. Oh, yeah. Too, too much liability. You need a federal law to change because look at insurance. Like in, insurance will have something to, to say about that. I imagine if you just start putting drivers under there, you need to be protected. You need the law to look at a test. Like if you smoked marijuana 20 days ago, that could still show up because fast still Versus show up in the your guy blood that test. smoked before work today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one or of those. Or drank like the night before and was hung over his hell. It's not going to show up in his test. Yeah. But his physicality, where his head's at, how much sleep he got, all that stuff is uh, that next day hangover effect. But can you imagine the market right now if we didn't have the clearinghouse take out however many drivers that's over true. the last year? I mean, these guys are suffering right now. Imagine if we didn't knock some out through the clearinghouse. And that's what's bad news. There's no pressure on it right now. There's no pressure to change anything because th there's a surplus of drivers, regardless yeah. of what the ATL will say. And if you notice, they've actually kind of walked back their stance quite a bit, even to. after <laughs> they put out that article. By the way, we talk about marketing so much. Let's rate this ad right here. This uh, this is for a company. They went a little bit edgy with this you one. Roll the tape. on your neighbors who are a pain in the you need to do it the best way, and the best way is to make sure your house is on theirs. Siding can make your house look brand new. Let Helix and Homes reside your place, transforming it into something so crazy that Karen won't know what hit him. I come back to Jerry Springer with the beeps every so often. What do you think? Would you get siding for them from them? I think it's different. I think in this market, you have to be different. You have to stand out because so many things sound the same. I think so, too. I think there's room for uh, the swear aggressive siding companies. Yeah, I there. mean, it was in a friendly way. It wasn't like they were cursing at you. Is, is there uh, is there room for sense for mile? What will people be enjoying on your new show coming to Freightways TV this Wednesday at 1130 a.m. Eastern time? Yeah, I mean, you can expect some hot takes. We're going to talk about things like driver pay, uh, speed governors, uh, dri driver's rights in general within the industry. And we're giving the drivers a voice using the network that we have to amplify it across our platform and connect the dots with the carriers. So I think it's it's going to be some really exciting conversations. I look forward to Paul and I diving deeper into it and uh, being on the network with you all. Yeah, one of the biggest differences between your show and mine is mine's kind of like, an archway to the industry. I, I introduce you to news and a lot of the people and logos that you see out there where your show dives deeper into the individual. I mean, I bring individual drivers on here, but your show is much more sort of driver issue focused. Well, yeah, because I mean, you think about what drives the industry. You got freight, you got mm. trucks and you got drivers, three key components and the drivers make up a big part of that. So we want to amplify their voice because a lot of times people are sitting around a boardroom making decisions for them and not actually listening to the things that they want. And most often it's communication was the number one thing Paul and I have heard lately is would you just communicate with them? Who's on the first episode? Uh, so we have Amanda from Red Classic coming on the episode, and then we have Bobby Thompson from CDL Life dropping some of his knowledge, and then we took a poll about drivers, how much they get hit up by recruiters. What, what, do, what, do, what do drivers say? What's their biggest complaint about getting hit up by recruiters? Uh, I think it's the frequency, but that's what we always thought. But when we took that poll, the data did not share that. A lot of drivers like, hey, we don't get hit up that often. So it was interesting because it – directly uh, tied to the episode that we're doing, but it contradicted with the Twitter poll I did the other day. <laughs> but do you think if you took that poll uh, a year and a half ago, you'd have much different results? 
Oh, absolutely. Because uh, everyone was at at a rush to get the drivers. It was like a gold rush. And we're, right now, people are more relaxed because they're fully staffed. They're being very selective. So I think drivers are starting to catch wind of it. And hopefully that'll persuade them to make wise choices with their employment because the grass isn't always greener on the other side, especially with all the closures we've been seeing. Well, Charles, thank you for stopping by the studio. It was great to see you at F3. Oh. Great to see you again down here. Thanks for enjoying some dogs with me. Everyone's sense for mile. We'll be on 1130 AM Eastern time. You can stick around because What the Truck will be live right afterwards. And of course, these shows are on demand too. We don't expect you to make an appointment with your television. In fact, you can find them on any podcast player. For my show, just look up What the Truck wherever you get your podcast at or go to FreightWave's YouTube page. There's an entire What the Truck playlist as there will be for Sense for Mile as these shows start dropping. You can find the show on FW What the Truck. You can find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him on X at the Tatted Recruiter. Take care. Don't be a stranger.